Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Amazing parents. In this episode, we turn the spotlight on a critical issue that demands our attention teen suicide. The latest stats are a stark wake up call, revealing that it's the second leading cause of death among adolescents aged 10 to 24 in the United States. This underscores the urgent need for effective prevention and support. Joining us today is Susie Bartell, the visionary founder of the Ryan Bartell Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing proactive programs for teens and parents. Susie is going to enlighten us about the two vital factors that make a real difference in raising happy and resilient teens. Together, we are both on a mission to prevent other families from enduring the pain associated with teen suicide. Welcome, Susie. It's so great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, and it's a real honor to be here. Oh, it's so great. And I, I first want, Susie, I want you to share a, a brief backstory, because I know this is seriously inspires and what is the heart of everything behind the Ryan Bartell Foundation. But can you share a, a brief backstory about the foundation? Uh, of course, yes. Yeah. So um, we started the foundation back in 2015, and it was simply because the year before, and it was exactly one year later, um, we had lost our oldest son, Ryan, to suicide. Um, he was 17 years old. He was actually just starting his senior year of high school. And he had had, you know, a number of years of depression and um, difficulties, various challenges, and quite simply, um, in spite of all the warnings, and, you know, as a parent, you know that there are warnings, right? But you never really think it's going to happen to you. But unfortunately, it did. So... um, a year later, I, I think, you know, that whole first year, you're, you're, you kind of spend most of your time in a bit, bit of a fog because you're partly in shock. That's just your, I think your body goes into that mode of trying to protect itself from the shock um, and everything's kind of a bit, it, it's a little bit misty for me exactly what was happening because it's just a very dark period in my life. But as, um, as we emerge from that fog, I really needed to do something. I, I couldn't just sit back and just do nothing because that's just not who I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm a problem solver and I, I like to kind of grasp problems and I want to try and fix them. So I just set about... Um, deciding to listen to a lot of Ryan's friends because we were being overwhelmed with visits from a lot of the friends that he had made who were just coming to see us. And I think they felt like a bit of a connection to Mm -hmm. Ryan through us. And the amazing thing that was happening was that they were opening up to us Mm -hmm. and sharing their own challenges that they were experiencing back at home, at school, and that even propelled me even more because I felt, okay, no one is listening to them. We have to start listening 
and we have to start giving them what they need because I don't think I'm, I think a lot of, I think most parents who've experienced suicide, they, you, you can't get rid of the guilt, Mm. right? So you end up feeling like you were, you were very much responsible and instead of repeating the same mistakes, I wanted to make sure I just, other parents didn't make the same mistakes that we did. Yeah. And I think those mistakes are things that there's no way to know what's happening beforehand. Everything is a lot clearer after the fact, right? And so it's easier to go back and go, oh my gosh, I should have known. But there there was no way to know, right? I think there's a lot of things where we we want to figure out, and I know what you do is how do we help no matter what the outcome is going towards, right? Because there's no way to know one way or another. So there's things we can do that we all can do. Yes. To help prevent that this is the track we're following. That's right. right. Yeah. There are are some really simple fundamental things that we often forget about. Yeah. Um, You know, we live in a very hectic world. Um, We are too busy. We are overscheduled and we don't take the time to sit back and reflect on what are those things that our children really need. Yeah. I think um, I also see now a lot of parents, because these numbers are out there and because we are a lot more open about talking about mental health and kids have the words now to explain it a lot more, um, I almost see some of the opposite too. So I want to help find the middle where parents are so terrified and so afraid that they're paralyzed or they're overprotective now to the point where the kids are like, back off, you know, leave me alone a little bit. I'm okay. And parents don't trust that because we hear so often kids won't tell us when they're not okay. And so our goal is to ask them constantly, which unfortunately doesn't encourage them to tell us what's going on. Right. So we've got the parents that are unaware and think this isn't going to happen to me that get completely blindsided. And there's the parents that are so paranoid that they're not able to breathe, um, on a daily basis because they're worried this is going to happen. So Susie, what yeah. do we do in that middle ground where we're either too busy and we need to do something or we're too freaked out and we need to do less, but the right things? What do we do? So the the listening part is so critically important yeah. because we hear constantly through the programming that we do from from teens who say that my parents don't listen to me and even if they do have a conversation with them we'll get comments like well my dad just wants to give me advice on how to fix things the way he would like to fix them but that's not how i would do it so rather than trying to guide every conversation with a solution just sit back and let them talk because they want to be heard and being heard is, is such a simple thing to do, but we don't give them the time just to, to actually listen and be heard. Yeah. I I hear a lot of parents saying, I want to listen. My kids won't talk to me. And my feedback on that, and I want to hear yours too, is that is a good sign that you probably aren't listening as well as you think you are. Yes, I I totally agree with that. Um, and 
you know, I think it's just part of being a parent, right? Because when they're very little, our role is to solve problems. Yeah. When they become a teen, we have to let them find their own way. You know, they are already in the process of naturally exploring and figuring out who they really are. And they want that feeling of independence too. And we are very reluctant to let them have that because we want to model them the way that we are as individuals mm -hmm. and probably to some extent, the way that we were raised as well. Yeah. So we tend to raise our children the way that we were raised. And even though we all say, you know, it's a classic line, right? I don't want to raise my children the way that my parents did because they made these mistakes and I don't want to repeat them. And unfortunately, we still do repeat them. Oh, yeah, we really do without even being aware of it. Or we expect similar outcomes, which we let's gloss over. You know, we're like kids. And I, I find this very interesting. I was just working with teach. I've worked with some teachers lately, too. So they have this as well is Back in the day, kids were so much more respectful and so much more this and so much more that. I'm like, I think when we went back there, teachers were complaining about a lot of the same things. It looks different, but I think we glorify what kids were like back in the day. They were still rebellious and not happy and still, <laughs> right, defensive and disrespectful. Let's be real about that. Yes, yes, they were. And, you know, human nature doesn't really change. No. Um, so the basics of being a human being will always be there. And I think we we sometimes forget that. And, you know, our environment has changed a lot because of technology and so on. But the fundamental characteristics of being a human being will always stay the same. And that means that there are a number of basic human needs, right? Mm -hmm. So being heard is one of them. Being respected for what it is that you're saying is another because that shows that you're being accepted for who yeah. you really are as an individual. And just being recognized as an individual is so mm. important. It really, really is. Um, and and different, a separate individual, unique from who your parents and your family are, right? Yeah. We need, kids need that so badly, which is why parents get frustrated that no matter what they say, the kids do the opposite. Well, that's that's in their DNA, like when you say it, the opposite is the safest way to be different. That's right. Exactly right. And no human being is the same, right? We are all different. And we sometimes forget that. Yeah. And, and therefore we try and model our children to be like us, but they're not us. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> Wait, I don't need another one of me. <laughs> It, it it is and valuing. I think it's also valuing. Um, we often have expectations as parents, and I think the expectations put on us as parents is even greater than ever before, too. Yeah. And we move, and that kind of trickles down to our kids. Not trickle; it dumps down on our kids. Right? These expectations that we then have for them of how we want them to appear and be to kind of reflect what we want to reflect to the world. And we often, if our kids are different from that, which typically they're going to be, we don't accept that. 
we want to change that rather than saying, let me understand who my child is, not create my child, but who is my child and what do they need most from me? Because my job as a parent is to parent and support that person, not create that person. And I think that's a hard thing for us to separate. It's letting go. That's what's so difficult. And, um, you know, when we don't accept them for whoever they're trying to be, we're really focusing on the negative Mm -hmm. of who they are. And if you're on the receiving end of that, you can imagine what the repercussions are, right? Because then you start having self-doubt. You start losing confidence in yourself and you start feeling depressed and sad and like you're not living up to the expectation of my parents and at the end of the day I think every human being wants their parents respect oh my gosh yes absolutely so showing them that respect is such a fundamental part of creating that sense of self-worth and you know if they can feel valued and that they really are an important individual who can contribute to the world, that makes a fundamental difference to how they feel in general. You know, there there have been studies, there have been a lot of studies actually on the importance of Mm self-worth. And if you don't have self-worth, then that compounds your feelings of sadness and depression and isolation. and, And then it's just another you know, factor that just keeps, keeps building up until you have a really awful result. Yeah. Which is exactly what we're trying to avoid. I think what's tricky again, is that line between building self-worth and people feel like they're falsely building up their kids or creating entitled, disrespectful, selfish kids. Right. So I see this fear of going, well, if I, coddle them too much, or if I give them too much compliments, they're going to be delusional or not kind or all of the other things we're afraid of. And so they kind of pull back and go, I'm going to make sure that my kid has a straight head, you know, heads on straight and is um, humble and all of these things, which then often ends up being tearing down. That line is very difficult for parents to find. How do we do that? You know, I don't know that there is a magic answer for that beyond, um, again, not forcing your own belief system too much upon them because there there is value in letting them explore who they want to be. And if they stumble and fall, that's okay because they need to stumble and fall in order to build up their own resilience towards life. Right. If we're preparing them to be a strong individual who can go out in the world and succeed to be whoever they want to be, they are going to have to have some bumps in the road. Mm -hmm. Bumps are important to experience. Our job is just to make sure that the bumps are so extreme that they don't we can't let them impact them to the point where they basically fall down a hole and can't get back up again. Yeah. And so the ability to fall while you're still there, not telling them how to get up, but supporting them when they get up and letting them know, I believe you can get up. 
but not going and picking them up. And I yes. think that's a hard part for us too. It's all, all of these things are difficult. It, I know. It's extremely difficult. And it is. You know, we all make mistakes, but again, as a parent, I think it's important that we take the time to reflect on ourselves and if we've had a day when you've had one of those moments, right, when your teen basically doesn't want to talk to you or there's been a big fight over something, take the time to reflect on what was the reason behind it. How was it even triggered? And then think about what really is going on in their life that might be causing it. Sometimes it's not even you. Often it's not until we react poorly and then it becomes about us. Yes. But it never was to begin with. They were just looking for support or we all have bad days. They have bad days. Yeah. And so to expect them to always be treating us well, when we don't always treat them well, when we have bad days is yeah. a little unfair too. Right. Yeah. So they're going to have those and learning how to adapt, adapt to that. Susie, I want to address people because I know a lot of um, parents who live in terror, I would say, terror mm. that something's going to happen or that their child's going to hurt themselves um, or that their child is has suicidal ideation. And it is to the point where they are afraid to let their child alone. They are afraid every time their child's away from them that something's happening. How do we help parents like that breathe? Because I know that when we do that, the kids become they start feeling like something is very wrong and I'm not a safe person, right? So how do we help parents in that situation breathe when they're so afraid? Well, I, you know, I'm going to say one thing about that, which is that not all parents take it seriously enough. It is yeah. a serious situation when your child is telling you that, or you're seeing the symptoms of severe depression because it, if you leave them alone when they're that extreme, that can potentially cause, uh, you know, some, something terrible to happen, right? So I understand that fear. Um, you know, there are regrets in my life for not being there, not being there when things went wrong. So I, I hear what you're saying, but in order for them to breathe, I, I would seriously recommend that you don't take it all on yourself, but you share that burden with other yeah. people too, because you can't, you can't tackle this on your own. Okay. This, this really requires more support than just yourself. Um, and I would really urge you to um, obviously see a professional for some help and get some um, immediate help, you know, some intervention to just help you get through this period in, in this very difficult period of both yours and your child's life. Um, I don't think you should ignore them. The, no. the, signs, the signs are there and you need to take them seriously. I've had, I've had teens call me because a friend of theirs is, in their opinion, suicidal, and their parent 
won't listen to them mm. see it can go the other way yeah so that's it scares me as well right because yeah. I get those calls and I I the first thing I will try and do is to find out who is the parent because then I will call them yeah and I will tell them that please take them to see somebody take them to ER if you have to but you need to pay attention and it really comes full circle back to listening again it does. And I think what's important too for parents to realize, because I think some parents don't pay attention because they start feeling like this is a reflection on me and I've done something wrong when having a child that is depressed and, and dealing with this is not all the parents fault, right? So it's, I think parents feel like, oh my gosh, it's all my fault where there's so many different things that are going on. And there's just the whole, I mean, it's, it's even in the brain, it's chemical. There's a lot going on. And so what you're saying is if a child says something, and first of all, we've also known that it's very, very, very rare that kids will make stuff up like this. Yeah. It is right. far more common that they say something and that they are ignored. So a lot of parents will say they're just trying to get attention. I hear that a lot. They're just trying to get my attention. They're trying to manipulate me. They're trying to make me give in. And then my question to them is why do they need to go to this extreme? If you believe that, why do you, why would they need to go to that extreme to get your attention? Yeah. That still means they need your attention, right? Okay. So give it to them. Yes. It is not, you're not giving them something they don't deserve as your child. They deserve yeah. your attention, period, end of story, they, right? They, they absolutely do. And, you know, spend more time with them because that attention that they're seeking means that you really need to do more than just pay attention to them in that moment, right? Yeah. Find other ways to connect with them figure out what things can you do that make them happy. So it's not about what makes you happy, but what makes them happy. That's big. Yeah. A lot of kids don't want to spend time because parents have very strict guidelines of what that time looks like, what they do, how they need to behave, how they need to do everything. And it makes it so that it's not even something the child is interested in doing. So if we want to spend time with our kids, we have to do it on their terms, which might mean playing some video games that you don't enjoy or talking about topics that aren't seriously interesting to you, but they're interesting to your child. Exactly. Yep. And, you know, that really does come back to the fact that if you have a child who's very different from you, then you might struggle finding that common ground, but there's always something. Yeah, there is. Got to keep looking. Yeah. I I always share the story because I loved it so much. Was um I was in we were waiting at stage door at um in Broadway, which is, if anybody knows me, they know my daughter is like huge Broadway fan, right? Of course I am too, so it makes it easy. But it was freezing cold. It was like midnight. It was in the middle of it was like February. And we were waiting and waiting. And I saw this one man standing there with his baseball hat on and just did not look like a typical Broadway follower. Let's just say that, right? Whatever that is. And I said, do you really love Broadway? You know, you guys are staying out here this late too. And he goes, no, but my son does. And I love my son. 
There you go. Well, my son that much. Yep. And that to me was like, cause I was struggling to stay there and I was wanted to be there. And I was like, oh my gosh. So that was, that was the thing that he found that his son loves. And he's like, I'm supporting this. And that just, that has stayed with me so much because it was such, it didn't see, it wasn't a sacrifice to him. Right. It was a, this is an opportunity. And I could just see that in everything about that dynamic. And it was so cool. Um, and so I think that's one of the things to think about. It's not about you enjoying it. It's about you learning to understand your child and finding those times to support your child. And that's when your child goes, they value me. Yes. That's when you feel valued. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. And, and it's rewarding, right? It because is. you'll notice the change in them and that becomes huge for you because then you, and hopefully then you'll do it again. Yeah. 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 That that is so true too. It's like the dynamic when we change how we show up for our kids and we make a very conscious effort to listen to them, which means we are not talking or lecturing or providing guidance. We're just listening to understand when we're doing that, when we're accepting them for who they are, whether or not it's what we envisioned, but yes. it is who they are and we accept that our kids suddenly start hanging out with us more. <laughs> yes. And, you know, the interesting thing about that is um, the importance of them hanging out means that they feel like they belong. So belonging is such a fundamental human need. We all want to belong, right? We are wired that way. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about what happened with the pandemic, we lost connection with other people and so we you know we talked all the time about the impact of isolation but when you study what really happens to your brain when you don't have that social interaction that there, there's apparently I think I read somewhere that there's research has been done that tells you that when you have no social interaction it affects the part of your brain that feels physical pain mm -hmm. and I thought that was fascinating because we don't associate our emotions with the physical outcome yeah but but they are so closely connected because everything is wired to go back into our brain and we don't think about that enough yeah and that sense of belonging it is it's it's all humans when their kids are at that teen years, right, yeah. which is like 10 to 26, let's be, but the sense, the need for belonging is so strong. And I, and that's why a lot of kids, all of a sudden friends become so, so important, not because they don't want and love their parents, but because they feel accepted yes. more by their friends. Absolutely. And so they will find friends and those friends may be people online now right? Where they go, I found people that understand and accept me for who I am and aren't trying to change me or pointing out all my flaws. Yeah. And I'm going to go there. And yes. I think we want to recognize that it's not that we've lost them. It's that they don't feel accepted by us a lot of times. Yes, that's, that's right. Huge. And so, you know, it comes back to doing things with them so that they feel like they belong to the family, yeah. that they're not the outsider. And, you know, you hear that all the time, um, that feeling of, oh, my parents don't understand me. I don't really belong 
to the rest of the family because I'm different than the rest. You know, yeah. if you have a lot of siblings who are not the same as you and let's face it, it's hard being different. Yeah. We, we strive to all be the same. And that's, that's a tragic part of our society because culturally we, we have tried to streamline everything. Just think about how schools are being done. Everything is streamlined. Everyone yeah. has to follow the same path. And um, again, we're going the opposite direction of how we're actually built as human beings. We really are. And if you think about it, the teen years are when they're trying to explore who they are. And it's actually when they have the ability to learn and be different. And they've, they learn not to be themselves and to hide their true selves because they have to, to belong. Yes. And so all of a sudden we grow up and we're scared to show our true selves or we're like, people aren't going to like us if they see our true selves, because we've learned that growing up, that when we show something different, that's rejected rather than accepted and, and celebrated Yes, those differences. Yeah. And so doing that being like, Ooh, I'm so glad we have someone that's strong in this, in the family, right? This is great. Um, so that's great. So Susie, I, I, you know, we can talk for hours on this, but I want to, what is one thing that you really want parents to walk away with from this episode? Um, well, we've talked a lot about listening, right? Yeah. The art of listening means that you don't judge them. And I think the art of listening is so closely tied into acceptance because you've already said it, that being heard means that you're being accepted for your own opinions, your own thoughts, your own feelings, and you're not being judged. Yeah. Um, that is probably my biggest um, point that I want everybody to walk away with. Um, you know, it's a fundamental part of who we are as a nonprofit. You know, we talk a lot about acceptance and we actually get an astounding number of people who read the word acceptance and they will call us and say, what do you mean you, you know, this is a place of acceptance. What does that really mean? Mm. Um, which I think again, is so telling. And if we can just change that mindset and change the culture in which we raise our children to be, accepted and you know if you are accepted then you will also build their self-worth which is a which is the other side of the coin which is a form of self-acceptance oh, which is huge I think one thing to be clear and I think what people kind of struggle with sometimes with acceptance is they believe it means agreeing with or understanding and those two words are not the same as right. acceptance. Acceptance, yes. you don't have to agree and you right. don't have to understand. You yes. just have to accept that that's who they are. That's right. And that's, that's the difference. And I think that's why people struggle with it. Um, tell us a little bit about the Ryan Bartel Foundation as it is now and what it offers. Yeah, we have a number of community programs. And I think um, the one program that I would say is probably what best describes who we are is um, a program called The Fort. It is a community space that we um, currently, we're, we're only open once a month. And we're talking about increasing the frequency of 
of how often we do this, but it's, it's a safe healing place of acceptance, Mm -hmm. right? It, you know, the kids, um, we just recently ran a focus group and the kids were talking to us about, you know, their own description of the fort. And I love what one, one girl told, told us, which was, I come here to get away from the chaos of the world. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Because she said that she has trouble talking with her parents Mm. and she also feels like she can be who she wants to be without Mm. any judgment. Yeah. It's big. It's like breathing room for them. Um, And the the other important part, I mean, that's the culture of the fort, um, but we do a couple of other things. We, allow them to experience these different workshops that are very interactive and there are two objectives behind these workshops one is to allow them to connect with other other teens and they do that because they're getting involved in for example let's say it's an expressive arts workshop by sharing the experience of the workshop together they automatically form a connection with another Mm. human being, right? So they create friendships that way. And while they're doing these workshops, there is typically a method and a message at the end of this, which is this is something that you can do in your own time. You Mm. can walk away with a skill that you may or may not have had before and you have gotten away from the chaos that's outside of the <laughs> right. world for a few minutes, but yeah. you can do this in your own time. And therefore you have a coping skill every time you feel stressed. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. So that's um, that's really what the fort's about. We, we have other workshops as well that are all built around um, building teens' self-worth, making them discover the self-acceptance yeah their identity essentially um and everything we really do is created in terms of really still delivering on that same message and mission and at the end of the day we want to build a world of really resilient teens because if we can help them get through this very difficult passage of time in their life they will come out at the end of it and they are going to be able to deal with just about anything that gets thrown in that way. Yeah. And be able to raise more resilient teens. Won't that be beautiful? How do people find the Ryan Bartell Foundation? Yeah. So please go to our website to learn more about the programs. It's ryanbartellfoundation.org. We are also on several social channels, um, Facebook, and Instagram and LinkedIn. I will have all those links there. Susie, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really grateful for you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you parents for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I really appreciate you too. If you found this episode enlightening, take a quick second to click the follow button, then forward it to a friend. And if you want more information on how to best support your teens, you can download my 10 top tips for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to the story than what you see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. 
make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.